Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I am happy to be here and to be able to speak to you all. And I just, while we're in worship in the first service, I just got this thought that I don't know people here. I, I, I don't know your names. I know a few people. And by virtue of the fact that I know someone's name does not mean that I know them. But then the thought came strongly that God knows you. Like God knows you. And it's not just your name. God really knows you. And he cares for you. And, and, and that's you who seated here in this country and in the UK. But think about God knows the millions in China. He knows them. And God knows the millions in India and in South America and in America and everywhere. God just does not see the numbers. God sees the person and he knows the person and he cares deeply for the individual. Hence, it's, I feel like it's, it's a room and I am alone with God and it's just, there could be billions of people around but in this room, I am with God, and He loves me and He knows me, and that changes everything. And that changes everything. <clears throat> I'm blessed with a, uh, a family of two children, and my wife's Joyce. She she's a wonderful woman. Could you please take a picture of me so I prove that I was here? <laughs> Is it okay? <laughs> Make sure Ditsbury is somewhere there. Okay. Uh, that's fine, you know. It's on a light note. So. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy. I love to be in the house of God. My first daughter is called Lulu, she's nine, and the second one is Amani, she's six. She wants to be a gymnast someday, so she flies everywhere on the chairs and every place, hoping that someday she'll win a gold medal, so pray for her. She's called Amani. Uh, but it's so kind of <clears throat> Anthony to invite me here. Uh, this is my second time in the UK. Uh, and I made it here. I, I came alone this time. <laughs> I didn't have a guide. I, I made it. That's a big thing for me, by the way. It might not feel like a big thing for you. Uh, the, sub, the subway, was it called the underground? You know, it's a whole monster for me. I just don't understand it. It's find my way there. And no one's talking to anyone. <laughs> keep going. Just keep going. I mean, it's a very strange place for me. Just love me for that. Because where I come from, I could ask anyone direction. Please show me where I'm going. 
and they will show me. The first time I was in London, I asked someone, I got lost, and I asked someone where I was going, it was the hotel where I was in. I asked, she said, I don't know. It was strange for me. He probably sincerely didn't know, but the way he handled it, I felt like I got lost more and more. Uh, <laughs> so my, 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 I was running that morning, and my, my phone went off, the battery went off. And I couldn't trace my way back. And the more I kept running, the more I got lost. And I said, God, you must show me the way. And I started to pray, God, you must show me the way back. So I sense, run, right? I just started sensing the Spirit in me, run, right? Like run, direction from the Holy Spirit, run, left. And I just found myself at a place I was familiar, and I could tell this building. I said, oh, I'm back to where I was, you know. And I just walked to the hotel, and I said, God, thank you, thank you. My wife had a very, you know, laughed at me and said, oh, God, you got lost in London, you know. Stuff like that. But... Anthony has been gracious to me. We have had a good friendship, and he's a humble man. He has come to Mombasa twice now. He has preached at our uh, congregation there. So he's a lovely man, and, and, and I like him. So this morning, I will preach Kenyan fashion. I will finish when I'm done, you know. <laughs> and I can see the time is running very fast. Seven years ago, on the 29th of August, we moved from Nairobi, traveling 500K to Mombasa, on a truck. And this truck had our furniture and everything to start life in Mombasa. I had been to Mombasa for one week in the year 20, uh, 2009, on a honeymoon, my wife holed up in a hotel for seven days. I thought I knew the city, but all I knew was this amazing hotel with the sandy beaches. And at this all, the vision I had, it's an amazing city, honey, let's go plant a church there. And so I was coming back to a city with very small knowledge of the city and coming to plant a church there. Around about the same time, if you have been following current affairs, you would notice that it was the same time that there was a lot of terrorist activity around that general area. In fact, there was a terror cell and a place that they trained terrorists in that part of the world. And so the, the Interpol and, and the international police were, or, were keen on that area to try and trap one of the terror leaders. <clears throat> so during that season, one of the terrorists, if you probably remember the name Abu, Abu Drogo, actually that was his name. <clears throat> you can check him out. He was shot dead by the police. And for some reason that was taken as if it was a church that did it. I don't know why. Persecution happens. You are blamed for something that 
No. It's the police did it, but it was blamed on the church. And over the mosque for a few months, they kept on preaching that if they take one of us, we take five of them. And they meant pastors. So it was very hard to call yourself a pastor during that season. You actually introduced yourself as a teacher or something else. During the same period, some two pastors from a church, a neighboring church called Nyali Baptist Church, had gone out to do evangelism on a door-to-door bay. You know, they would knock the door and talk to somebody about Jesus. And a Muslim boy gave his life to Jesus. And they were going for the second time to disciple this boy when a mob of Muslim youth descended on them, stoned them, and lynched them. They had died. That same night, no, the next night, was the night of August 29th. 2012, that I was moving into the city. <clears throat> there were riots in, this, in the city, police against the Muslim youth. And I was coming in, and I remember meeting a riot, and uh, the driver of the truck had to turn and find an alternative route to get us to the place we were going. I got calls from Nairobi, from my mother, from people who cared for us, saying, you don't have to do it. I got a job offer at the same time for my brother who works for a reputable university says, Tobias, you have a master's degree. You don't have to do this. Please quit on this. I'll give you a job, permanent and pensionable. But it was what God had placed in our heart that could not make us look back. What was ahead for us was bigger than what was offered by the many who loved us, and I know that they loved us. Seven years now, that church has gone ahead to see hundreds, and I literally say hundreds of people come to Christ for the very first time. That church has planted six churches in the coast province, six churches, and one in Malawi. That is the work of God. I'm going to share with you something quickly. This is what I, as I prayed for Ivy, and this is what God started to teach me. Revelation 3.20, and I'll mention it later, but let me say something. So many times, me and my wife would go around our neighborhood for prayer, for just leisure walk, and we would talk. It would take us about two hours. When we do that, we lock our kids. No, we don't lock our kids. We, we, we leave our kids in the house and we ask them to lock the house so we don't lock them in. My girl is responsible enough and it's a safe area. <clears throat> so when we come back, we would knock at the door and there would be no one to open the door because our kids are in the bedroom and they're, they're loud and they're playing. But when they catch the voice of someone knocking, they would come and they would ask, who is it? And I would say, it's daddy. And they would open the door. And momentarily, when you think of it, I was at the mercy of my daughter, standing outside of my house. And it's until my daughter opens the door that I got access to the house. But when I step into the house, guess what? I have lordship over the house. It's mine. Everything is mine, including the children. When I thought about that, God took me to this scripture of Revelation 3.20. 
And it says, you can read it, I don't, we don't have the notes up, but you can read this, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door, and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. See, friends, God is at the door knocking for that one who is not a Christian. He wants to come in. And the moment he comes in, he is Lord over all. He takes that place of Lord over all. And then something else God started to teach me. That God does not just want to, to enter in and that's it. There's something beautiful God wants to do. God wants the house to become an open house from now on. Not a closed house, but an open house. Matthew 5.16 in the message translation. Matthew 5.16 in the message translation. It says this. Now that I've put you. Did you get the message translation? Yeah, we got it. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. And then those amazing words there. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So God comes in and he says, keep open house. Now it's me in church. Let me move. Let me touch people. This is what God revealed to me. We are called to be stewards of the power and the move of God in our generation. What do I mean? God is calling us and everyone at the sound of my voice to see that what he is doing and continues to do is through us. And he also wants us to understand that the intensity of what God, of what he is doing is dependent on how we steward what he has already given us. For example, the Bible says that we have the power to make disciples. We have the authority to make disciples. If you believe that, say amen. amen. But if we never turn on that power or that tap of, of, of and authority to reach the lost, to be obedient to reach that who is lost, that tap will never run. So we have this power, oh friends, we have it. It's not a, a lie, we have it. But if we never, we have water on the taps, but we never turn on that tap, it will never run. And that, how do we turn on that power that we have? Obedience is the needed piece 
to turn on the power of God that touches the people around us and blesses our lives. God has given us power. <clears throat> Bible dictionary says this and it defines power like this. is the ability to do things by virtue of the strength, skill, resources, or authorization. Let me break down to the scripture that we will lean on today. Let me come down to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I, I really want to read it from verse 1 to 7 this time around. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> It's all right. I can read it from mine here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn on your phones and you can read from there also. Let's read from verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 to 7. It says this. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. Sorry, I was in chapter 4, sorry. Therefore, since, though, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. We do not distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness, made his, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all, to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Friends, we have the power of God. We all seated here, having allowed Jesus in, have the power of God. We all seated here, now that we have power, can be called obedient or disobedient based on what we did with the power of God. If I gave you the ability to change your neighborhood, to turn it around, if there was insecurity, and I'm heard of knife crime in the UK, if you could change that, and I gave you the power and the ability to do so, if you did not do anything about it, you would be disobedient. Why? Because I gave you the power, the ability to do so. We have this treasure 
we have this treasure in us. We have this supply for the future. That's what treasure means. Is this, we have these things reposited or laid up for the supply of future wants. We have this plenty and abundance of precious and valuable things in us. And if we have supply for the future, if we have supply for the present, if we have answers for the needs of people around us, and we look from a distance, we are disobedient. Acts 1, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses upon receiving the power. You will be my witnesses. It is required of those who receive power to become witnesses. And you would do it in your immediate environment, at your home, with your brother, sister. And then you will go to your Jerusalem, to your Judea, to your Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will go to the ends of the earth because of what's on the inside of you. So the Bible says, we have this treasure and you can define that treasure or break it down from scriptural knowledge. We understand that it's the gospel. We have the gospel. In Romans, the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God to save people. So we have this treasure, meaning we have the gospel in us. And we all understand the gospel is this good news. And, it, and, and news is supposed to be announced. You just don't have news for yourself. You have news to spread. You're a messenger. You run with something. We have this power of the gospel in us. We also reminded that this power that we have in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7, this power is outstanding. It is incomparable. It is excellent. It is like no other power. And then we're reminded that this power that is in us is for us to be great stewards of the same. It is for us to utilize and to manage the power that's been provided to us for the glory of God and for the betterment of his creation. Let's take an example of what I'm trying to say. In the Old Testament, when you look at what God shows us, how he worked with his people, is the tabernacle was in the midst of God's people. See, the Bible says God was in the midst of his people. The, the nation of Israel surrounded or were, were positioned around the tabernacle. And wherever Moses would move, they would pitch the tent and everyone would take their place. So the Bible reminds us that in the midst of us today is God himself. Oh, should have said a big amen there. In the midst of us, in us, both Jehovah 
as Emmanuel, God with us, but also as the Holy Spirit, the God in us. God is in us. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send... He is God in us, friends. God is in us. And I'm traveling. Uh, wherever I'm traveling, I'm, sometimes I find myself just about to complain about how they handle the processes. And I, I hear the Holy Spirit tell me, just be in worship. I am in control. And, and we tend to think that we need to be in control. We don't need to be in control. God is in control. And God is in us. He gives us the power to determine our attitude, to change even our attitude towards the problems around us. I mean, I can look at crisis and everyone's falling apart around it. I can look at the city I come from and the problems around it and I could tell myself, God, thank you that I am here at this time and that you've given me the power to do something about what I see around me. God, help me to wake up tomorrow to do something about it and not to complain about it. Help me to be like the nation of Israel, that you are in their midst and there was a complete difference about this nation when it compared with other nations. Let's finish with this. So what kind of power do you have? I want to show you. Number one, you have the power to make disciples. Matthew 28. Number two, you have the power to work miracles. Even this is a Mark chapter 16. Even to heal the sick. I promise you, you have that power in you. It is not given to evangelists only. It's not given to pastors only. Turn to your neighbor, tell them it is given to you. Is that a British thing to do? Turn to your neighbor. <laughs> it is given to you. We have the power to defeat forces of evil. I could spend time talking about forces of evil. Today I have no time. We have the power to defeat forces of evil. Okay, let me give you one. <laughs> Recently I was so caught up in my schedule and someone called me, please come and help us in prayer. It was this young girl, 18 years old. For some reason, she was overwhelmed by a demon. And she kept breaking everything on her path. And the people that came to pray for her, she kept them through the night. While they prayed and prayed and prayed, she kept on saying, keep on praying. You know, the demon taunted them. Keep on praying. You think you have power? Keep on praying. It was a very nasty experience. And it was a day... And he said, Pastor, please come and help us in prayer. I dropped everything that I was doing, and we went. And some of friends, there is power in you, friends. You have the power that you will never discover the amount of power you have until a situation shows up. And until you put yourself at a place where it is God and only God to be glorified and not you. And so I came and we 
found another pastor there who had been called also, and we laid hands on this girl, and we rebuked that demon. Then she just, she was a powerful young woman. She would push the men back and forth. You've read in the Bible the same when demon manifestation. And she just came, she like shrunk back and became a, a weak person. And she slept for about three hours in our presence. And she rose up and says, they are gone. I feel free. I feel free. Friends, we have power to deal with forces of evil that can take over people who are not Christians. And then we have the power to endure suffering. You see, God could throw you into a space, not throw you, but God would allow you to go into a place of suffering. I said God will allow sometimes for you to go through a place of suffering. But he gives you the power to endure the suffering. Paul writing, and Paul is a super Christian. He is in every way the kind of guy we would like to be. Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses. Because in my weaknesses is the chance for God's power to be manifested. So if you're here this morning and you feel weak, you're perplexed, you, you feel like there's something about you that does not add a boast in that. Because in that God will show his power. We have the power to supply all our needs. Or God's power will supply all our needs according to Second Peter. One, three. I want to finish with this because my time is up. How do we make this power perpetually available for the glory of God? How do we make it that? Follow with me. Number one. The first thing you need to do is see God for who he is. And in brackets, I put some brackets here so it can remind us for me. And I wrote there, Develop a calibrated heart. You know, it's when you calibrate something, get it to the right state of measurement. You see, when we know and see God for who he really is, there's something that naturally happens. We get to know who we really are. Paul writing says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Do not inflate your view of yourself, the view of yourself. God does not give you power so that you can become a big shot, to become popular, to become me, 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 watch how I can turn things around. But he gives you power so that you understand this same power does not come from you. And that's why that scripture says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Look at the paradox. We have this amazing power in jars of clay. That's who we are. When we get a right view of who God is, we get the right view of who we are. And in that position is where the power of God works. That's where the power of God works. Number two, be a people of prayer. In brackets, undoubted faith in God. Unshakable faith in God. Be a people of prayer. Sometimes people think that, oh, I, I don't know how to pray. I just pray five minutes. And can I caution you from those words? 
Can I say, please do not ever relegate yourself to a certain lifestyle that you will regret later in life. Do not ever say, I just think I am, I, I'm, not a, I'm not good in prayer. And I hear people say that. I say, what? You're not good in prayer. Is it you who's praying? No, the Bible says that he gives you power to pray. Why don't you lock yourself in and say, God, I do not know how to pray. And that's the truth. But the Bible says in Romans 8, 26, that he gives us the utterance. And he makes, he says, you do not know how to pray and what you ought to pray for. But he helps us in our weakness. And he gives us the prayer to pray. It means that you and I can pray the mind of God when we submit to God. Not when we go to God with the mind that I, I, I don't know how to pray. But I, I, I don't know how to pray. But there is power available for me to pray. So I want to challenge you from today on. Find spaces where people are praying. If you can't pray for yourself, tell somebody to pray with you in agreement over something. But do what? Keep praying. Be a people of prayer. Can I tell you something? Says, Notice this, that the disciples received power when they were patient in prayer and fasting. A man or a woman cannot excel in power above their prayer life. You will not experience the kind of power I'm talking about if, you, if your prayer life is, Father, thank you for this morning. See you in the evening. And I'm not discouraging anyone who prays that. I'm just saying that's the starting point. You see, friends, when I was dating my, my, my wife, I spent time with her. I, I abandoned my friends so that I could lock in with her and walk with her home. Spent lots of time on phone calls. While I was doing that, I was growing fond of my wife. I was getting to know her over and on and on. I got to a place I could ask her out. And she said a yes. God is a relational God. And God wants to spend time with you. Not so much because of the power that you will display. But God wants to know you as you know him. And God opens up to you all the time so that you could spend time with him in prayer. Prayer is that place where you say your thing and then you allow him to say his thing. You allow him to speak. I promise you, your prayer life will grow to never stay the same. But you have to keep going to God. Keep going to God. Number three, be a people of confession and repentance. And in brackets I put, live brutally honest lives. When I wake up in the morning, this is my mantra. Today I will be brutally honest and extremely optimistic. That's how I live. People who experience God's power are people of confession and repentance. They know for sure. That they want to be in good, uh, in good relationship with God. Number four, be a people of prompt obedience. This is my best here. Be a people of prompt obedience. If you want to see God's power, just do what he says. 
If God tells you walk down the street, can I give you good advice? Just walk down the street. Don't ask him why. Where are you taking me? There are several times God has walked me to somebody because I asked him, God, show me where to go next. And he didn't tell me, go right, left, and then you will see this tall building. No, he just said, go straight on. And I just walked. And then when I reach a place where I can't hear the voice of God again, I say, God, I can't hear you now. What do you want me to do next? Then he gives me the next instruction, and I keep walking. If you're going to experience the power of God for us, my friends, we need to do what he says. Just do what he says. And just to pray. Shall we rise on our feet? Time is not on our side, but we would have talked a lot more about the word of God that says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power available to us. Some of you here are going through weakness in your life. Let me read you something before I pray. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 8 says, we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. Why? Because we have the power of God in us. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair because we have the power of God in us. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Sometimes you are struck down by sickness or anything, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. See, friends, you are what you are today because of the power of God in you. Shall we pray? Almighty God, we thank you this morning. You call us, Lord, to be a people who have calibrated hearts, able to see you for who you are, and have a right view of who we are in you. You call us to be a people of prayer, of undoubted faith, Lord. You call us to be a people who are brutally honest, living a life of confession and repentance. And you call us to prompt obedience to do what you say. I pray for Ivy Church this morning. 
this your friends who are gathered here this morning. May this word never make them to rest a bit, but cause them to do your will. May they not go back into a place and a state that they were before. But may these words you've spoken today in the name of Jesus push them into a place of deep obedience to follow you. Sometimes to follow you into an unknown space, Lord. To jump into a space that they do not know what happens next. To believe you that you are God who cares and a God who wants to show yourself through them. And I pray, Lord, for anyone with weakness in their body, be it sickness or any kind of weakness, at the sound of my voice, I ask you, Father, to heal them, to restore their mind, their body, their strength in Jesus' name. Let the power of God right now rest on you to lift you from that place of weakness. Father, that sickness that cannot be seen with the naked eye, that organ in the body that's not functioning well that internal injury of some kind I ask for healing right now manifest your healing now as I speak for your glory father thank you for the healings all over the house in Jesus name we pray amen amen thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org media